Welcome to the Heart of Life podcast. We're Jesse and Brooke, two therapists and friends, sharing our lived stories and creating an unscripted space for healing. We hope this podcast empowers our listeners to find freedom and bravery through examining the heart of life with curiosity and permission. While this isn't a substitute for therapy, we believe that you'll find healing, belonging, and your own invitation into becoming. Welcome back. This is going to be our final episode for 2023. We're going to take a break during December and allow ourselves to settle into the busyness, but also hopefully the ritual and the stillness of the end of the year and what that can mean for us. So in our last podcast, we were talking about ritual and how we can transfuse the mundane with Mm -hmm. intention to create something that's meaningful for us. And our invitation to you was to recognize the places already where you engage in ritual and to just shift your intention a little bit to notice what happens when you know why you're doing the things that you do. Mm. Um, for example, the you know I get up in the morning and I do a certain number of things, but to to shift and know the intention is because I am choosing to care for myself changes the meaning of that experience. So we were talking about that. We were also talking about noticing the mundane everyday tasks, the things that you maybe roll your eyes at or think like, why? (laughs) And you might still be thinking why, but what was it like to just bring some intention to that and create ritual around that? Yeah. So I, I leaned into this a little bit with a couple of things. One was in my kitchen and one was in my, on my bed So bed, we, I started to set the intention of my rest being important to me. And so cultivating some more ritual around bed and using like some linen spray that I haven't used in a while. Um, we got some, uh, sleepy time extra tea and like just, and it's like hibernation season, right? This is the time of year. I start telling everybody they should act like bears. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm moving into this, um, I guess the intention was about like protection of my sleep and rest. Like that's a, a need of mine that is valuable enough to protect, um, which made those feel less chore like, or like washing my face before bed felt less chore. Like if it was as an intention of, um, you know, my rest is, is protective. It's valued. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the kitchen, uh, about this little shelf and I'm like displaying my produce now (laughs) instead of tucking them in drawers. And cause I I heard on a podcast a while ago and hadn't really thought much about it, but heard on a podcast, this woman interviewed. And I think, I think her book is called like, um, kitchen healing or something like that. Hmm. But she talks about in kitchen spaces, having food kind of out and accessible. And I mean, obviously like non-perishable stuff, but I realized I feel really good when I've got these beautiful fruits and little bowls and on a cake stand and on this little shelf. And 
I, I keep finding myself looking at it every morning when I make my coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and the intention there, right, is that these things are really nourishing to me for multiple ways. And the beauty of them makes them exciting for me to participate yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about for you? So I have a, a gratitude journal that I've been keeping uh, which is part of my morning ritual that was already established. But one of the things that I have recognized is really important for me to set myself up for a good day are slow mornings. Mm. I And so I've started going out and getting my cup of tea and actually coming back to bed and creating this little nest for me to sit in and to write in this journal and to ponder like what my day is going to be like and what do I need and what do I want. It's maybe five more minutes of my morning that I've that I've created in this ritual space, but I've noticed that I feel so settled mm. when I leave that and ready for the next thing. So again, like these these ritual things that were already established, these mundane things, um, and infused with meaning and mm. um, allowing me to set myself up for a day that, that also can be infused with meaning. Mm. I love the imagery that you just used about a little nest. Yeah. I just love like, well, one picturing in like a little bed nest, right. With pillows and stuff, but what a, um, I don't know, like, uh, nurturing, I guess I'm trying to think of like embracing. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like to build that up around yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. What a, the, I'm thinking of the somatic implications of kind of having a little... Yeah, to be held. To be held. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Well, as we were discussing how we wanted to end this year, this 2023, and what we felt from these conversations that we've had, felt more, most organic and, and nourishing this idea of ritual being in the forefront here, like how, how do we harness ritual to help move us through growth Mm. and becoming? And one of the things that, you know, you were talking about this idea of hibernation and wintering Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I I really like the term wintering a lot because it feels very intentional and there's ritual there. But one of the things that is challenging for me is waking up in the dark and going home from work in the dark, right? Or yeah. wondering, like, why am I making dinner at midnight and realizing <laughs> it's only, it's only, five, it's o'clock. only five o'clock. <laughs> but the dark can be really, can be really hard for me. And I know I'm not the only one. This is why we have happy lights and all sorts of things that we do to try and increase some light in mm-hmm. our lives. And... There's something to the dark. Yeah. And, and so I, to, to me and in this conversation, what I'd like to do is talk about how do we take this ritual and this meaning, take what's hard and what's dark and, and move us through this season uh, in a way that can be really purposeful. Yeah. You know, as we, as we talk about this, this image is coming to my mind that I think anchors me in this conversation. Um, Last year, it probably December, it must have been sometime in December, I was leaving um, the office and I was 
I Marco Polo'd you this video to show you the Christmas lights across the street um, at the that the bird, the Wild Bird Center or whatever that's across from one of our offices, and um, it it keeps resonating for me. And it, they're not going to be there this year because the bird place moved. So I'm actually in this moment having a little <laughs> bit of grief because I just went to their other one and bought bird seed today, and I'm like, oh no. But what I thought about that imagery was those lights are only as beautiful as they are because they're surrounded by that midnight darkness at 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. And what a gift it was to walk out every evening from work already being pitch black and see these lights not because they made the black and the darkness not feel so bad, but because, right, they were a compliment to it. Yeah, they were beautiful because it was dark. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm bringing that to mind, kind of anchoring in this conversation because, you know, you and I have also talked about dark season or like I participate in a practice usually around Advent, you know, and some ritual there and embracing darkness Mm -hmm. has been, I think, a lifelong practice, especially for myself who kind of lends a little towards melancholy and likes darkness and somberness and those kinds of things. And now we're adding on to this in part because there's growth in that. Yeah. You know, we've, we've talked about both of us have this disdain for silver lining things or bypassing things. And it's because of our own personal work and what we see on a regular basis of clients who are, who are bravely navigating dark And in that space, learning so much about themselves and who they want to be and how Mm -hmm. they want to be. So as I've been considering what these established rituals are and what this season looks like and feels like to me, it feels like this very natural thing. Then can can I, in this space, create ritual, lean into winter, and darkness and see what there is to to learn there knowing you know on on like the solstice right that the days start to get longer to me it feels like there's this really beautiful invitation to move move with intention into like how do I sit in the dark so that I can Mm. be in the light when it starts to return yeah which is a paradigm shift from enduring darkness, mm-hmm. you know, to participating in, I don't know if that's how I want to say that, participating in darkness, <laughs> like to, engaging. Yeah, to, to noticing the value of it. Yeah. Yeah. Finding home maybe in, mm-hmm. in a space there that there's a more active voice in how you just said it than the passive, like, okay, we just got to get through until spring comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been considering, I've had all these opportunities. I, I took a class last weekend that made me really confront <laughs> some, some things that I felt were maybe shadow parts of me. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I've had these other opportunities, even in our invitation last week of, of noticing maybe parts of me that I don't really want to hold on to anymore. Mm -hmm. 
for instance, when we did our episodes a few times ago about watching and witnessing mm. and judgment and curiosity. So for me, really recognizing that, yes, I think I, I trend toward and I lean toward curiosity, but there are still places where I find myself firmly entrenched in judgment. Mm-hmm. And so can I, in this space, recognize that as part of my shadow self? Not a part to exile and get rid of, but a part to learn from and be curious from and then shift to this this curiosity. So can, I, I guess, you know, I'm brainstorming as mm-hmm. I go here, but can my ritual be this way of recognizing, sitting with, understanding how judgment has played a part in my life in both good and mm. painful ways? And can I release that over the course of this time so that I can move more readily and without resistance into curiosity? Mm. Yeah, the the ability to create space for that seems significant, right? Um, but I also am struck by the gratitude for judgment, you know, thanking it for how it has served you and also assessing where it hasn't or just seeing it in its, in its bothness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I resonate with that because I, as we're talking about the darkness being a place where we might be able to spend some time with what we'd like to, um, release, you know, to make room for one of the things that I've been working this year on that I think is coming to some sort of culmination is being able to care for and have empathy and compassion and all of those things and, and engage with while also allowing those I love to have the experience that they're going to have in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a gas pedal. I've had a hard time pulling my foot off of. And sometimes it looks like I, if you just would do this, things would be better. Um, but I think, I think darkness for me this season may actually hold a little bit of reflective work for me to see what, what am I afraid of happening if I am not trying to, kind of toil in other places, Mm -hmm. you know, and what, what may that open me up to see in myself? If I kind of, you know, as one of our colleagues, Jeannie says, if I get out of the business, that's not mine, Mm -hmm. what may, what may happen? Yeah. What will be illuminated if I allow myself to sit in the dark? Yeah. There is, um, there is so much wisdom there and What it's making me think of is tomorrow morning, if I woke up and said, I will no longer be judgmental, you better believe I'm going to spend the whole day being super judgmental. God's going to put people's (laughs) butt cracks out in front of you. (laughs) It it is, it's, it is going to be really hard because I haven't created anything to take its place. And that is the place for ritual Mm -hmm. and intention here to be able to hold with compassion and understanding this. Yeah. Judgment actually has served me in some ways Mm -hmm. and it has harmed me or harmed my ability to connect in ways. So I, I don't, 
I, none of us can wake up and say this thing that I've been doing my whole life, I stopped doing today. (laughs) I won't say none. Maybe somebody can do it, but very few people. Sure. But what we can do is take an additive approach. What do I add in the place? What do I, how do I take up more space with this new thing? So there's less space for the old thing. Mm hmm which in my experience has always been the best way to change something, right? Yeah. This is a, we call this in the eating treatment world, beneficial crowding. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're looking at wanting to add something into someone's intake, we put a bunch of that on the plate and then slowly some other things may shift out of view. Right. So how do we, how do we create beneficial crowding? (laughs) Isn't that an awesome term? It is. It's, I love yeah. it. In, in, this, in this dark space where I'm willing to do this shadow work, where I'm, where I'm willing to look here, because the, the, again, the, I'm just going to stop doing it. That's bypassing. You're not actually looking at the function of this. You're not able to make significant change. Can I sit in this and let the ritual that I create be the beneficial crowding? Mm. Can I notice when judgment comes up and say, oh, I see you here. Mm-hmm. I see you here and I see here's the ritual that I've created to help me notice name and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's powerful, right? When we when we allow ourselves to take this additive approach, one of the things we end up moving past or bypassing is the experience of shame of not being able to control quote unquote ourselves from doing the thing we are not wanting to do. If we're just adding, then the thing that we want to change eventually is still allowed until there's just no more space for it. Mm -hmm. And it prevents us from having the gap that usually gets left when we have nothing. And that's a painful gap that makes us look for other usually dysfunctional things to replace it with. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so you've just finished a workshop on ritual and creating, I mean, honestly, this beneficial crowding, how do we not get rid of grief? How do we make room for grief and add in these things that infuse it with meaning and purpose and help us move? Yeah. Right. So how do you then think of daily ritual when it comes to, let's say we have, we have other listeners who are identifying these, these darker or shadow parts. Mm -hmm. What would you say could be meaningful ritual that creates this additive beneficial approach? One of the things I think about is when, when we notice there are parts of ourselves we want to shift or change, we tend to hyper-focus on them as almost a treatment. Let me get these up to where the rest of the parts of self are. So a beneficial crowding ritual could be, can you lean into the parts of yourself that you have a lot of comfort in or that you feel are really aligned with your values? Um, Do you love the part of you that is a really good dog mom? Or do you love the part of you that makes nourishing meals for your family. It's actually when we start to focus more on those parts of self or the things we do want in self, 
the other things start to diminish all on their own. Um, and this isn't to say there isn't place for intervention and looking at, you know, dysfunctional behaviors. That's a whole other conversation, but some beneficial rituals, I think really come down to the umbrella of self love Mm -hmm. for me. Can you have love for self or love for other and have that be the, the whole sentence, right? Instead of, I love myself and I'd really like all these things to change and blah, blah, blah. What, if, what would a beneficial practice look like if we were to just say, I love myself today mm-hmm. in the entirety and the wholeness of who I am? Yeah, in all of these things. Yeah. Which is where change happens is in unconditional love. If yeah. we feel that anything is conditional, including the way we feel about ourselves, we are defensive. We dig our heels in. We're less likely to be curious mm-hmm. about possibility or change. And and I think there is this place of compassion in, can I hold these two truths at, at once? Mm-hmm. That I move through the world with judgment that I don't always want to feel or experience and that I move through the world with curiosity that allows me to experience people differently. Mm. For me, I'm thinking about what an, what an actual ritual might look like. And, and I'm, I'm starting to imagine the possibility that when I feel that judgment come up, I could see it and name it. Mm. Talk to it. I see you. And I can see why you're here. Mm-hmm. And going back to a few episodes, what is, what is the curious approach to, can I hold both of these truths at once Mm -hmm. and, and engage? Maybe the ritual is to write those things. Maybe it's to, it could be anything, right? I I heard this beautiful, um, comment the other day where this person said that when it snows, they go outside and they pick up snow in their hand and they think about the thing that they're ready to release and they just watch the snow melt in their hand and the warmth of their body, their, their energy changing Mm. the nature of this thing that they are holding. And I thought that was so beautiful and I infused so much more meaning than what they were talking about. But this This idea that maybe my ritual in this dark wintering space can be to physically hold something like that Mm. and watch my body change it. I love that. Yeah. When we talk about like actual behavioral rituals, I'm thinking about, um, various points throughout my life. I would call my mom if something was difficult or not going well, or I wasn't feeling good about this or that you know, and I saw something, you posted it too. I sent, I sent this to my mom and I think one of your girls had sent it to you. Um, and it was a post about hugging or talking to your mom. Oh yeah. Yeah. My daughter posted that. Yeah. Like talking to your mom reduces stress the same way that a hug does. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, I would call her in these times of distress and (laughs) without fail, she would say, you know, just go take a nice, hot bath and then lotion real good. And it's always lotion real good. (laughs) Take a nice hot bath and lotion real good. And this was her response when I called to tell her how stupid I had been about something or how I had failed 
or how someone else had harmed me or hurt me, no matter what was going on, the distress of me, her recommendation, her prescription was to calm myself, to bathe myself, to be sweet to myself, and then to nourish my skin through lotioning real good. Mm -hmm. Like this beautiful, oh, it's like such a, such a sweet and kind practice to myself. And it was the remedy, no matter why the pain had existed. Yeah. You know, it was never, well, you know, make a list of what you'll do differently next time. And it was just like, yeah, meet that with love, Mm -hmm. meet that with love. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I, I don't know, I'm thinking about entering in this, to this darkest, darkest season, you know, weather wise. And I I think I'm going to let that kind of ring through my mind a lot. Mm -hmm. Meet it with love. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how what bubbles up from the surface is what we need. Hmm. I I truly believe that. Yeah. But I am I am spinning now on this idea of of the physical the physical act of holding something in my hand and watching it change. Mm-hmm. So I think I've spent so much of my life feeling like I lacked power mm. to to change things to I don't feel that way so much anymore, but these things that are deeply entrenched or feel like shadow things for me often feel unchangeable. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the thing that we say, well, that's just who I am. But the ritual and the power of actually, that's not who I am. Right? I'm watching my body change the substance of this ice cube or this snow and and because my body can change the substance of that, my body can change anything. Yeah. The way I think about things, feel about things, experience things. Uh, so that is mine. Mm. That is that is what I will be practicing and update you on in January. But I am really like, deeply feeling connected to that. Something... Um... It sounds like a, there's a, like a fire mm-hmm. and you like some kindling is mm-hmm. crackling and ready. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Meet it with love and, and, and create your ritual around something that you know, deep in you in that intuitive sense self that you need. Maybe it is a deeper sense of love. Maybe it is a deeper sense of power or personal mm. authority. Maybe it is connection and community. See see what that is and, and begin to create a ritual around the need. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the the darkness shows us the need. And then from that need, we can create the ritual that allows us to step into the light. Mm. Oh, that's so good. The darkness reveals the need and the ritual allows us to step into the light. And the light is, is in its own time. Right. Right. And the, they complement each other. Going back to the beginning of the podcast, we're not trying to erase one or the other. Mm-hmm. They, comp- they complement each other. They help us to feel whole, to allow the, the light and the dark both to be there and to see the beauty of both. Mm-hmm. They're each necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I have a poem before we finish that I'd like to read. Uh, we 
stumbled upon this Colorado poet not very long ago, and Jesse and I had the opportunity to go and sit in one of her poetry readings, which was breathtaking and beautiful. And she, her name is Rosemary Trummer, and she has a poem called The Darkness Writes to Rosemary. I will teach you to know the world by the way your song bounces from the surfaces of things to make light inside your own body like the angler fish that swims in the deep. I will teach you to open your eyes wide, then wider, until you see what you thought could not be seen. And I will teach you to bloom for no other eyes, to bloom only for the pleasure of blooming. This was the piece that she, I'm remembering now, this was the piece she read after she asked who had ever stayed in a cave. Mm. And I think I was one of the only ones that was like, not my little freaky ass. (laughs) It will not be me, but I will listen to what your experience was. So rewind this episode to right before Brooke reads the poem and imagine the language of it being in the darkness of a cave where you can't see in Mm -hmm. front of you, right? Like you can't see your hand in front of yourself. So you're blooming, blossoming just for the movement of it, not because of how it looks Mm -hmm. illuminated by anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the both, right. The, the line that I will, I will make a light inside your own body, Mm. like the angler fish that swims in the deep. That is the invitation here. Can you let the dark, reveal the need and from there can the light that is inside of you create the ritual Mm. to make that bigger and brighter i love that okay we'll see you in the new year yeah We hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast as much as we love creating it. And we'd love to hear from you about your lived story. What are you examining and learning? Who are you becoming? Our podcast is sponsored by Riverbend Counseling in Colorado Springs. Following along with us on Instagram at Riverbend Therapy will allow you to engage more fully with the content of our episodes. There you'll find reflective questions, challenges, and community. If you appreciate this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform, or better yet, share it with people you think might benefit from the work here. Mm